2: Hello
3: there, I'm Tony Gow, and you are listening to We Are West Ham podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, and James Jones. And I don't know about you, but support in West Ham is getting exasperating. Somehow, we thrashed. Whipped, it's destroyed Champions League hopefuls Wolves 4 0 at home. I think it's our joint highest ever winning margin at the London Stadium. No one saw it coming. I certainly didn't see it coming. None of us did on the predictions last week. Dan from the Wolves 77 podcast didn't see it coming. No one saw it coming. Whether it was David Moyes being at home, Alan Irving, football managing genius. No one really knows, but lads, brilliant to see you again. I'm not sure about you. Uh, everyone else was pretty thrilled with it on Twitter. I'm just absolutely worn out of trying to keep up with this football club. Glad to see you both again. It's been a while. Wonderful to speak to you both after a league win, first one of the season, of course. James, how are you?
2: I'm oh, good, thanks, mate. Um, slightly jealous of your tan. You're still in Portugal, yeah, <laughs> bad, isn't it? Um, and, and your very loud shirt, but. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm great. I still can't believe what happened Sunday night, as you said. Uh, thought we might nick it on the night, but never saw 4-0 in a million years. And um, yeah, it's just uh, made waking up on Monday morning much easier than it has been for a while.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I uh, Just in case you were wondering, for those of you watching on YouTube or who haven't watched on YouTube yet, more importantly, I think the boys will probably agree that this week is the one to do. I decided to extend my stay in Portugal lucky enough to be able to work remotely and after hearing weather reports from England and the quarantine potential I was facing I decided it would be best to spend another week in the sun of the Algarve but with that of course comes some very wafty holiday shirts. So if you haven't already uh, logged on to the we are west ham youtube channel to watch me and the boys because we've launched it this season and all of the podcasts and the records are available to watch in info on youtube uh, i think this week is probably the one to do it just to see the state of this shirt that i am wearing and the link for that the link for the youtube will be in the description of the podcast for this week thomas Edward's not quite as tanned. I'm, I took all of this as inspiration from you when you broadcasted and did the We Are West Ham show from Ibiza. I must admit, Oliau in Portugal, not quite as exotic or party heavy, but uh, it's all come from you, mate. How are you?
4: Very good, mate. Like Jonesy said, I'm a little bit jealous of uh, that tan. I'd have to be out there a few months to come back looking that bronze, pal. But um, yeah, mate, all good. It's a lot easier the next week after win. I'm not going to lie to you. And we were. You could not be thrilled, I don't get me wrong, the morning after, I was like, what happened? It feels like a a dream and now it's all back to reality that we haven't signed anyone all this and that the negativity was coming immediately. But, mate, very happy. What a performance. What a performance. That's why I sport West Ham for days like that and it's made this week a lot easier.
3: Absolutely. Now, I don't want to turn it to a a negative straight away because before, in the past, me and James have done shows, especially in the height of the uh, fan dissatisfaction and the board protests all that sort of stuff we've done shows and we've got odd results in amongst all the negativity and me and James have been quick to say look one win doesn't change everything it obviously takes the heat off a bit but at the moment I just I don't know about you two but I just feel like reveling it for a bit I'm not in denial at all that this changes anything that's happened at the club but it was, we didn't scrape it, we won 4-0 didn't we, we beat Wolves 4-0 and albeit they were off and you can see well, I feel certainly they probably are a little bit of a weaker team uh, without those big players, Yotta and Doherty that they've let go this summer the new lads will obviously take a bit of time to bed in but I really don't really care for semantics tonight, James we won 4-0 um, I can't believe it, doesn't really matter who you played is it?
2: Yeah, no Bob. my head's telling me to just don't get too carried away, but my heart's just going, yeah. <laughs> my just,
3: body! My yeah, body! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just pop
2: open a, the bottle of champagne and let's, let's enjoy it. I think, you know, we, don't, we haven't had a moment like that for a while, have we? Um, even at the beginning of last season when we'd beaten Man United and we were getting a bit excited then before it all went wrong when Fabianski got injured. Um, it, it still didn't really touch on on the feeling that, we, that, that particularly I had on, on Sunday. It was like almost like shock. And you know, where the hell did that come from? We're meant to be a club in complete disarray, both on and off the pitch. Um, we're not meant to be beating clubs like Wolves 4 um, oh, 0. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hang on, hang on, you shouldn't be doing that. We're yeah. doing, um, but yeah, I mean, you're right, it is only run result. But I saw someone tweet the other the other night um, if you include cup games, you've actually only had one bad performance out of five this season. Mm. You know, okay, we've been yeah. two. Two League One clubs.
0: Don't
3: round me up already, James. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm trying not to. But I I thought
2: when when I saw that, I thought, do you know what? Actually, no, it's true. You know, we yeah we were poor against Newcastle, but we've we've easily beaten uh, two cup sides. You know, with second string sides. Really, Um, we're very unlucky against Arsenal the week before, and then we've 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 brushed aside Wolves. So. Um, th- there might be reason to be positive moving forward, but we have to keep our feet on the ground. Maybe, um, <laughs> maybe we'll, uh, we'll come, cr- uh, come crashing down to Dansworth against Everton in the cup, but we'll see.
3: Don't start, don't start all that positivity now, Josie. I'm, he I'm loving this this week. I started it last week, and you two were, all, well, no, well, well, how many points have we got after the Arsenal game? <laughs> I'm not having it. Yeah. I'm not having it. Take the positive banner off of me. This week, absolutely not. Not you either, Edwards, that is for sure. Look, before I get uh, the thoughts of the boys, we'll go into the Wolves game in a bit more detail. I've already decided tonight is going to be a positive show, whether we like it or not. We've got to revel in a 4-0 win. We're through to the next round of the Cup. And as the time of recording, it's still 24 hours until we kick off against Everton in that League Cup game that Jonesy was talking about. So there's still time. To be cheery then, if you're one of those people who listen to the podcast later in the week and we've been slapped 6-0, well, I'm sorry about that. uh, We can't help it. But as of Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, me and the lads are still buzzing. bit of housekeeping as usual. The Fantasy Premier League, we are West Ham League, is still going. Um, Edwards, I'll talk to you about that in a minute. The code, for those of you who don't know already, is lowercase cny6. OU uh, you can still join up to that, I think, in excess of four to five hundred. Um, we've got we'll have a few shout-outs for those. Uh, the leader of the We are West Ham League at the moment, Jonesy having his customary tragic start to a fantasy football season. Tom, I believe you're doing even worse. As we've already mentioned, subscribe to the We Are West Ham YouTube channel when you can watch where you can watch every single one of our shows uh, that we record over Zoom, the link to that is in the podcast description below or at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Click on this episode that you're already listening to. Go into the description and you'll find the link to our YouTube channel there. Or you can have a look at my wafty shirt and James's shirt in honour of the DT38 Dylan Tombidi's Foundation, for whom he is playing in our Betway charity bets this week. Jonesy, you'll have more on that later. Tom, I'm going to come to you momentarily for an update on the Fantasy Premier League. But what we've got coming up on the show today is we're going to that Wolves game even more, obviously. Moisey stayed at home. Alan Irvin took charge. Stuart Pearce was on the phone to him regularly in the stands. King Arthur is back and firing, and I am absolutely delighted to see that. So we'll talk about that. We'll go into the Betway charity bet. No winners again from either of us, agonisingly close once again. But as we've already said, who saw a 4-0 win coming? So I think you can be uh, give cut me and the boys some slack. We'll go into some headlines, bit of a quiet week. News-wise, Ryan Frederick's injury. David Sullivan gave an interview to TalkSport, get some reaction from the boys on that. We'll do a transfer section again, same as last week. We obviously haven't signed anyone. No one's left either. We'll do a quick run through the random set of names that West Ham are being linked with and will likely never sign. We'll look ahead to the Everton game in the Carabao Cup. Briefly, that kicks off Wednesday night. We'll have opposition view with Josh Jones, sport journalist and Leicester City fan to look at the Premier League game that West Ham have. On Sunday at the King Power Stadium, we'll go the Twitter poll where we've asked the We Are West Ham listeners what they thought. Sebastian Haller or Mikel Antonio to start up front against Leicester. Or as some people have said, both of them. Name that game is back. I'm the quizmaster this week. Uh, Jamesy, jo- Jonesy even with an impressive lead so far. Me and Tom got some ground to make up. And of course, we'll wrap up with the West Ham women's segment and international roundup for a lot of the girls who are in action. And a really moving piece from the Squad Goals documentary from Captain Gilly Flaherty. So, loads to cover as always, lads. Tom, I will go to you first Mm. before we dig into the Wolves game. Fantasy Premier League, we've touched on it so far in uh, the show. Fans can still join that. Um, I've had an average start. I'm on holiday, so I forgot to do it for the first time this season. That will be a pattern that I repeat. Left the Bamiyang as captain for Liverpool away. Stink up. Somehow, I'm still beating the two of you. You are having a particularly bad time, Tom.
4: It's just not been my week, mate. I don't don't actually know if I am last out of us. I reckon it's close, but um, it's not been good, mate. It's not been good. 34 points this week. Obviously, as you do, you stick Cody in there, just expecting a little... Most guaranteed clean sheet of the weekend for Wolves, but West Ham have done him, so I'm delighted with that one to be fair. But yeah, mate, Watkins, Mitrovic, they're all in it. I thought they'd get a bit of something in that game, but it's it's just not clicking for me at the minute. Zaha is pretty much a one-man team. Suchek getting a gobbled out didn't help either. Bloody hell. <laughs>
3: well, he still got an assist for it to be fair, didn't he, Jones? That was quite a that was quite a measured list of excuses for Tom there while he's having a while he's having a stinker. Um out on the podcast you having a shocker again but I made the mistake of taking the Mickey out of you for a bad start last season yeah. um, to bite me however you have played your wild card already
2: yeah um I've had I've, I'm on the back of three very very consistently good seasons um one of which I ended up finishing like the top 6,000 in the world um so I don't know whether the start to <laughs> this season has been a little bit maybe a little bit of cockiness for me I don't know but um, currently sitting with 137 points, an overall rank of just under 4 million. Um, and I panicked going into game week three and played my wildcard uh, just to try and shoe on a City player in there at the very least. And I uh, bit the wrong City player in Raheem Sterling. Rubbish against Leicester. Um, <laughs> brought Suchek and Jimenez in. Obviously, that whole debacle over Jimenez's own goal and Suchek having it ruled out completely messed me up. Uh, and I had Son as captain. Which says all you need to know about how my season's going on fantasy football. But I'm, I'm <laughs> notoriously a slow starter, um, and I'm sure I'll catch you both up soon.
3: Well, 137 points, James is on. I'm on 171. Tom, I haven't got yours in front of 146. me. One four six. That does put Jonesy at the bottom, but just uh, just eight points. Yeah, I think that's correct. Math. No, nine points, nine points in it between you two, and then I'm a little bit further ahead. On 171. Not great stuff. Just a quick shout out. I know not everyone listening will do fantasy football, uh, so we won't dwell on it too much each week. But at the moment, Rudy Eagling uh, with a team named Moyes Mavericks is leading the We Are West Ham podcast fantasy league at the moment on an impressive 224 points. So fair play to Rudy. And uh, yeah, if you want to join use that code that we mentioned just now but let's go to proper football West Ham have won 4 nil. It used to be my granddad's favourite bet every week when he'd go and the only one I can really remember is the Marlon Hayward hat-trick home to Aston Villa back at Upton Park what a game what a performance what a team uh, are we going to finish in Europe Tom Edwards
4: uh, mate, don't get me started. Don't get the feels going. But no, what a performance. Exactly like you said, we did what Wolves have been brilliant at for the last two seasons to themselves. We just went out and then we beat them with physicality, direct, and the three. And we just were clinical. Like we said last week, we were saying that we had that game against Arsenal if we just started to take chances or bit more positive in certain areas. And it's exactly what we were. With Bowen was brilliant. He took his Bofors goals, really clever finishes, both of them, particularly the first. He's, that's exactly what. I sort of was saying that he's capable of that first goal where he does drive in and he does. But Yarmolenko's made a career out of and he starts putting him in the net like he did at Hull and it was it was a really positive day all round. Haller off the bench, nicking one. It was just brilliant, mate. And we outplayed him and four 0 It could have been more and and who would have thought that last weekend on the pod? I definitely didn't.
3: Well, funny you mention it, Tom. Actually, because one of us did. One of us was full of well, no, actually, I well, thought we'd win,
4: but <laughs> four nil. No. I
3: don't think we we're going to beat Wolves, but. Um, that is my next note on the uh, on the running order for tonight. I'm delighted to be able to throw it to James Jones, in fact. Um, I'll, I'll read out exactly my my note. Uh, Wolves, wow. Is everyone going to apologise to Will after he had to fight against the tide of negativity after the Arsenal performance? James, he, oh, I, I will grant you that I did still uh, predict a West Ham defeat, I believe. I predicted a win
4: as well. remember that.
3: Yeah, I think we went with a draw. However, I was I was trying to take some positives from the Arsenal performance last week. You two were not having it at all. Um, are you willing to issue a written apology, just verbal, or how do you want to go about um, righting the wrongs?
2: Um, no apology for me, mate. No, 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 Because as as we've already said, it could all go terribly, terribly wrong. But this time next week, and we could be. Uh, Back to where we started this season, but yeah, I mean, fair play—you you, you were you were positive, um, yeah, better than better than Tom and I last week. But no, it's um, yeah, I I, I still, as I said before, I, I can't believe it, and it does seem as though we've we've fallen on more has stumbled across a formation that that might just work this season, given the squad he's got. I think he may have realised that we're not going to be able to strengthen as much as he he could do. Uh, but that five at the back um, seems to seems to be working a treat. Obviously, two really really good performances. Um, only three points though, which is annoying. Um, I'm going to just rule that one in a little bit. But we could have had a point yeah. at least at Arsenal. Um, and you know, to go to Arsenal and, and lose in the last what three or four minutes um, is you know still still pretty good given the performance we put in. And then to follow that up with with Sunday's result and performance even better. And the fact that David Moyes weren't even in the stadium, he was sitting at home watching it on Zoom or whatever chatting to um, <laughs> Pearcey on the phone. It, yeah, it's, um, it's it makes it even more bizarre that we even managed to put some sort of evening like that on when the manager weren't even there. Um, but yeah, it, it seems as though something's beginning to happen but we've got to strengthen between now and Monday transfer window closing. Um, otherwise, you know, we can't count on fire at the back all season. Uh, particularly with Ryan Fredericks in his glass legs. Yeah, mm. um, but yeah, um, <laughs> just to see, I well, keep, I, I keep being, I keep the negativity keeps coming back to me. It yeah, wants um, to creep it just, out. It keeps like, biting at me. But no, I'm going to try and stay positive from moving forward.
3: Excellent. Well, I did what I did like to see was the return of the landline, Stuart Pierce with a, uh, with yeah. a corded phone. In and that. I'm just imagining Moisey at home. He doesn't strike me as a sort of bloke to mess around with cordless phones, does he? I'm no. still imagining <laughs> that proper old school '90s. One of those ones, you know, like the He's cable. Built, but the, it
2: has got a built-in built fax machine. In. Yeah. Built-in <laughs> fax yeah. machine, just in case.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Big numbers on the keypad, just so you can see if his eyes yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> Proper. Um, now, Jonesy, you mentioned there, um, as everyone who's a long-time listener to the We Are we Stand podcast will know, I'm not one to gloat about things, and you know, if I'm ever right, I'd like to bring it up or mention it. Again, you mentioned that David Moyes has stumbled across uh, that formation the five at the back with Arthur Masawaka who was outstanding at the weekend and um, I'd just like to play you this clip quickly and everyone at home will be able to listen as well from a few weeks back before the season started well listen what, what about this just to shake things up a bit and I genuinely do think I would not be disappointed if this was the way Moy's lined up at all five at the back like I said and then I think you do, I think you put Masuaka in there um, because I think that's where his best position is. I think he works best. He's played his best football at West Ham as a left wing back and he's posted a load of photos on his Instagram over the summer of him working hard when everyone else is on holiday. So that basically means he's going to be absolutely outstanding next season um, no but I have, um, have James I don't know if you know that that's actually the rules when footballers post uh, videos of themselves working hard in the gym over the summer that means they're going to be really good next year right
2: all oh, right yeah, yeah. sorry right. I didn't, didn't realize you didn't
3: right. know that but that is how it works so yeah I mean there it is you, you say Moise has stumbled across the formation Josie we've had uh, Declan Rice we're pretty sure listens to the podcast we think Jared Bowen listens to the podcast as well, uh, it's become apparent that at least one of uh, David Moyes' coaching staff, be it Alan Irving or Stuart Pierce or Kevin Nolan, uh, listen to the pod, but maybe Moyes himself. And he's just heard what well, I've got to say, five at the back, for Masawaku and Ryan Fredericks, no problem at all. That's all you've got to do.
2: Right, you make a good point, mate. I think um, I'm, so, I'm beginning to wonder if it was actually you on the other end of the phone the other night, talking to, <laughs> to Stuart Pierce. Because uh, you just seem to get everything right. Are you David Moyes in disguise? <laughs> he wouldn't wear a shirt like this. No chance. Definitely not. No. <laughs> he put pull it Tom, off.
3: Tom, uh, Moyes stayed at home, obviously. Um, he was having some impact on the yeah. game, albeit through the phone. Uh, Issa Diop didn't play either. I'm struggling mm. to think of who we miss. <laughs> least, to be honest. You know, everyone, Diop's certainly our last best uh, defender um, the season before last mm. left to be desired. Last year, um, didn't miss him at all. Really, I, I do think the excuse me, I do think the formation obviously helps with that because mm. of playing five the back takes the defensive responsibility off of off of everyone. That position suits Cresswell, um, but didn't really. Did Did you think it affected the team at all without? Or who do you think it affected? Like who, what affected mm-hmm. us more? Is it deal missing or Moyes?
4: I think um, neither. I honestly nothing. I think Moyes had done his work in the week. Presumably, it's obviously him who picks the team. It's him who gets the tactics out there. You have what fifteen minutes before they go out, fifteen minutes at halftime. It's 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 a tough job to actually impact the game once you've thrown out a system and players to do that. They're only the very best in the business to do that. And he obviously did the hard work in the week. So I think Moyes was as much as he wasn't there. And it's obviously comical He was on the phone. He's obviously he's done a good job this week. As for Diop. I think um, for the last six months, he's been a bit of a liability. He, he tends to dive in, he gets caught high up the pitch and he's had a bad six months of football. He, he is obviously a supremely talented centre-half. There's a reason why Mourinho said what he said about him, but he's had a tough six months. Sometimes it's good to be out the side. And I think that Val bueno surprised me, came in, dealt with the pace. I think, like you say, he had more cover. Cresswell was on the ball, pretty good in that position. He can open up a bit more. He gives it to good, gives it in good positions. Some midfielders and uh, seem to suit us. But Diop will get back in that side for sure. It's just we need the best Diop because he's been off the ball for the last six months.
3: Yeah, Josie, you mentioned there. You know, as
4: soon as we can go back to a four, would you
3: be really adverse to staying as a five all season? Because I certainly wouldn't. I think we've got the attacking players. To who they don't, they almost don't need that extra, the extra man with them. I think they're good enough to create spaces like that, especially with the wingers or the wing backs bombing on. Um, I don't know. You, you sort say as if it's just a matter of time until we go back. But why would you, why would you go back? Even if we bring another centre half in, why would you revert back to a system that suited Moyes well the last in his first spell at the club and appears to be doing so again?
2: I mean, I, I think Suchek and the way that Suchik plays in that midfield probably allows for us to play that that system more than more than probably we could do. I mean, he because he gets up and down quite easily. Um, it means that we don't need that extra man in midfield because he can get, get about the midfield a little bit easier. Um I wouldn't be that adverse to to seeing us um seeing us play the whole season. It's just if we haven't I don't know whether we've got the squad depth in, in defence for it to to, to, to work all season. We I mean th- this next week is going to be very, very important for us to be able to bring those players in. Um it, we're one or two injuries away in defence for for us having to go back to, to what what wasn't working before. Um but you know it, it seems to be working. The player seems to be buying into it and um long may that continue. And you know, if it's going to continue working, even if it means that you know we're not going to beat everyone 4-0 every week. Um but you know if it's just going to add a little bit of stability. Um, and you know we're creating chances in that system. You know, as long as we're creating chances, goals are going to come, and then we're going to get points on the board.
3: Absolutely, and it was a fantastic performance from one of my favourite West Ham players at the moment, if not the favourite, uh, King Arthur Masuaku. And one thing that I thought was hilarious, um, I need to—I would like to launch an investigation among the We Are West Ham uh, listeners and watchers of the podcast and the show on YouTube, because the King Arthur tag that we, uh, or that me in particular, um, that we've been using on the We Are West Ham podcast, first surfaced as a title to one of our podcasts in the middle of 2019, but me and my friends, among my friendship group, have been calling him King Arthur for as long as I can remember, and I checked, in my uh, on my phone history to see the first mention of King Arthur and when it was amongst my friend group and we me and my friend uh, Quizmaster Reese in fact um, was the me and him were the first ones to mention it and it was December 2017 in a WhatsApp group talking about how much we love King Arthur Masuaku so I'd like to launch an investigation because both Arthur Masuaku himself and now the we Are West uh, sorry now the West Ham official Twitter account are using the hashtag #KingArthur in their tweets. It was a great uh, sort of moment, if you like, for me and my mates. But just before I take, we take all the glory for it. We've obviously pumped it as well on We Are West Ham. Masuaku interacted with a few of our tweets that have uh, been tagged as King Arthur, and he's got in on the hype as well. Uh, but I just want to see if there's anyone listening at the moment or watching who has called Arthur Masuaku King Arthur. Uh, among their friendship group, as well, and if they can find any evidence uh, proving that they use the term before December two thousand and seventeen to email it to we are west pod at gmail dot com or tweet us the proof at we are underscore west because uh, i don 't think there 's too much more imp- or much more important things. Um, that people are going to be spending their time on at the moment to find out who was the first one to come up with the phrase King Arthur Masuaku, because that certainly was a performance fit for a Royal, as I'm sure you all agree. James, it really pains you to, I know we'll wrap up this first segment really swiftly, but you hate it, don't you? You just hate King Arthur doing well.
2: No, I don't, no, I love it. I do love it. Um, the whole King Arthur thing just, yeah, it. it, it I think it proves... That the entire squad listened to the podcast on the yes. team bus on the way to games,
3: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: because Jared Bowen's reacted to what what Tom was saying about him last week with two goals. Um, you know, Masuaku's interacted with us in the past, and suddenly King Arthur's now a trending topic. Um, and yeah, it, it, it has to be us. They, they, they listen to us on the in the change rooms or on the bus, and. They're, they're, they're taking all of, our, all of your advice, We're on board at least.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously shout out to the whole squad. Um, but in particular, I think uh, uh, tip of the hat to uh, King Arthur. Um, but stick with us because we'll cover loads more. Fantastic performance from Masuaku at the weekend. Uh, we'll cover the Betway charity bets next. No winners again, but long live the King. So, me and the lads remain loyal subjects of King Arthur, Masu Arthur. Uh, one thing, though, this week, we had the Betway charity bets. West Ham winning 4-0 was positive for most who support West Ham up and down the country, all across the world, of course. Same as everyone who listens to the We Are West Ham podcast, no doubt. However, me, James and I, on our new segment, we've partnered up, and Tom, of course, have partnered up This season with Betway uh, for a fun little segment as part of the show and raising money for some West Ham-related charities. Betway kindly donating a £50 stake or giving us a £50 stake to bet on the West Ham game each week. Three selections, me and the lads pick, and any winnings at the end of the season go to... We've all chosen to play for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. Uh Tom, of course, is playing for Isla's Fight and James is playing for DT38, the Dylan Tom Beadies Foundation. No winners still from last week. Jonesy, you've got some stuff to tell us about DT38 later on. But before we do that, let's just cover what happened again. It was agonizingly close again. No one saw the 4-0 coming. And that is reflected in our bets as well. Jonesy, last week you had both teams to score over 1.5 goals and over 4.5 West Ham corners. I had over 1.5 goals, over 5.5 total corners and over... 0.5 bookings for each team. Tom had West Ham to win, both teams to score, and Ryan Fredericks to be carded. Both close in our own way, Jonesy. Me and you getting stumped on the on the corners. There was a surprisingly low amount. The week before against Arsenal, I think there was something like nine in the game. So I thought, I'll go nice and safe. That's a shoo-in. I think the game finished four corners or something in total. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not impressive. I, I, You obviously didn't get the BT, the both teams to score. Uh, you got the over 1.5 goals and you didn't get over four and a half West Ham corners. You missed out on two. Uh, I got the over one and a half goals, didn't get the over 5.5 corners or the over 0.5 bookings each team. Wolves got one semi-early. So I thought, happy days. Ryan Fredericks as Tom bet for as well to get booked. Mm. I thought well, that's, that's an absolute shoe in No way we don't get a yellow here. Here comes the money and it just didn't. Play out like that at all. Tom, You, I thought you were mental having West Ham to win last mm. week. That bit proved right. Both teams to score. As Jonesy had, I don't think any. I think if you'd have said before that's not going to win, we'd have said it's was West Ham. Exactly. Been, to be card. A little bit unlucky last week, lads. I think we all went on the uh, on the cautious side a little bit. Jonesy, were you surprised to see how it played out in the end?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be one Wolves goal and one corner away from from winning some some money for dt38 was was pretty gutting especially given that i think my one was was so safe it was three to one yours is even safe yours was evens
1: um, <laughs> i mean it was like
2: surely we're gonna have some money in the bank here but um fine margins isn't it and um talking to to chad earlier and he's he's urging for us to chad at betway urging for us to go for the bigger ones which tom's been doing Every yeah. single week, yours was 16 to 16 to one last yeah. week, Tom, and just as close as, as Will and I were mm-hmm. in the end. So, um, so yeah, I think we have to, we've, we've gone a little bit bigger this week, but that's so just so desperate just to get that first win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's playing on my mind a lot. Like, we're three weeks yeah. in, I've, I've designed that that league table which totals up the winnings every week. We can't even put that out yet because it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, that's just sort of sitting, collecting dust on my external hard drive in my drawer. Um, yeah, so hopefully people will be able to see that soon.
3: Tom, Ryan Fredericks obviously came off injured. Yeah. Uh, he's got a hamstring injury. Looks like he's going to be out until after the international break. Um, you were sort of banking on him getting a yellow. Yeah. This week, you've uh, you've gone both teams to score again. This is for the Leicester game on Sunday. Yeah. You've gone both teams to score again, over 2.5 goals. And over two point five cards. Are you uh, are you sort of a little bit more confident about that? Leicester are pretty free flying at the moment.
4: I can't lie, lads. When uh, when we went two nil, three 0 up, I was thinking, and Fredericks was on. I was thinking we got, I've got a real chance because the chances of their nicking one and making it nerve at the end's pretty likely, if not definitely happening. And then Fredericks was getting run around. By the end, he was absolutely knackered. You can tell he was going to dive in, and I just thought forty eighth minute, and then he's hurt. And I thought, bloody hell, he's here we go, here we go. This week, mate, um, there's always goals and there's always cards in the games you play against and there always seems to be a penalty here. Something going on. Vardy tends to get in a bit of trouble with Bonner. They've had a few battles down the years, so I'm hopeful. I think I played it a little bit more safe this week, but like you say, lads, you just want that first one and then we laugh them. And-
3: exactly. I don't want to have the... When that board goes live with the first money on it, I don't want it uh, to have a zero against yeah. my name, that's for sure. So, Tom, you've got both teams score over 2.5 goals. And over 2.5 cards total in the game. You'd hope that was a shoe in if the odds aren't that big. Jonesy, Jared Bowen, two shots on target, over 2.5 total goals, and both teams to score. You're sticking on the Jared Bowen hype?
2: Yeah, I was looking at his uh, attacking stats for the last three games, and um, I think he, he averages three shots a game. Um, weirdly enough, he's, he's only two on target this season, were those two goals. But um, I think. I think as we were saying last week, he just needed, needed that confidence. Um, and I think getting those two goals will give him some confidence away at Leicester and, and moving forward. So I fancy him to to continue the form and, and at least get a couple on target.
3: Yeah, well, Leicester are banging them in. So are we, apparently. So I've gone for over 2.5 goals, over 0.5 goals in each half and less than 5.5 total bookings, I can't see people throwing themselves around and uh, getting smashed up this weekend. I hope not to be proved wrong. But um, yeah, I am just think pretty safe-ish again with that. Um, and yeah, just fingers crossed, one of us can get a little bit of money. Jonesy, you spoke to Dylan Tombidi's mum, Tracy, at the beginning of the season to tell her about the scheme. I hope you haven't uh, updated her with the fact that we haven't actually won any money for the charities yet, but we will do still 35 weeks ago. So not worried on that front. Um but yeah you were chatting to her about some of the fundraising schemes they do over at DT thirty eight as well.
2: Yeah I spoke to Tracy a few weeks back just to just sort of introduce myself and let let her know what what I was doing and what we were doing as a podcast for, for our charities and and I'd chosen DT thirty eight as my nominated charity and um i i'd said that i wouldn 't just help raise money but also sort of raise awareness of um, the importance of men checking checking their testicles um regularly because you know it is a is a deadly deadly disease particularly if you don 't catch it in time um, so yeah it 's just you know that they do a thing d t thirty eight the first of every month they they urge. People to to put their message out there and um, and sort of urge people and, and men to to check their testicles on the first of every month um, and as this is the last one before the first of October, it was a good time to do that. And um, key thing to remember with Didden's story is that um, he went to the to the doctor and the doctor said, "Oh no, it's it, it's it's nothing. Don't worry about it." Um, and then three or four weeks later, he was away with australia at the the world cup and um failed a drugs test and they said it's either you've taken an illegal substance or you've got a tumor um and obviously it was the tumor and that's when he was diagnosed but that three or four week gap between you know, being misdiagnosed and then eventually being diagnosed was essentially um you know what what eventually he, he sort of fell to so Timings, per, you know, timing is very, very important with this, and um, it's important that you know men check first every month. You know, put it in your diaries, check yourself in the shower, whenever you feel comfortable. And um, if you do find something unusual, then get it checked out, and you know, even go for a second opinion because it is important. So, um, see, so yeah, make sure you do that. And DT thirty eight, they're asking for just small donations, three pound eighty um, is all they're asking for. Obviously, if you can do more, then fine. But obviously, at the moment with the current climate, finances might not be. Um, you know people won 't be as flush as they they used to be, but they all are asking is three pound eighty so um visit their their site d t 38couk and um give what you can uh, it does mean a lot and um i 'll be spreading the word throughout the season while i try and raise some money as well hopefully anyway so um, yeah, on the first, get yourself checked lads
3: excellent excellent so that 's uh, yeah if the if you can 't find it online it 's d t thirty eight just search d t thirty eight foundation on google it 's funny you say that james. Um, you know in the in the sort of spirit of of what the message you 're trying to get out i've i've done it before i i I sort of make a habit of checking anyway I found something uh, like a growth before went and had the scan you know it's one of those things where you'd rather not have it done, but ultimately you you sort of pull your shorts down a bit, flop them out uh, yeah. do a little ultrasound, and yeah, I was lucky obviously they they told me it was just a harmless sister or whatever, and uh, not to worry about it. But far better to check. I was a little bit concerned beforehand, but you go, uh, they sort it out, and it's always, with any of those things, um, better to know. One way or the other, isn't it? So great message. And like you say, hopefully we can carry on uh, or start perhaps raising some money for the good causes. Tom for Isla's Fight, me for Bobby Moore, Fund and James for DT38. You can, of course, go and back our selections on the Betway website and app under the Bet Your Way, Build Your Own Bet uh, section of the Betway website. Our bets for the Leicester game will go up around Friday night so uh, hopefully money on the board soon for me and the lads stay with us because we'll chat the headlines of the week next Ryan Fredericks hamstring injury out until the end of October at least by the looks of it David Sullivan and the interview he gave once again to talk sport and the rapidly becoming laughable segment that we do on the we are West Ham podcast is the transfers stay with us for all of that next You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Great work and a great message from Jonesy there about the DT38, Dylan Tombides Foundation, who Jonesy is trying to earn some money for this season on the Betway charity bets. However, headlines of the week, lads, uh, other than winning 4-0, which is probably the biggest and most surprising news or the most surprising thing, that happened to West Ham. It's been a fairly quiet week. Um, Obviously, it's transfer season, so it's West Ham, so obviously it's going to be quiet. Ryan Fredericks, he pulled up um, in the Wolves game fairly early on, and the club have confirmed he's got a hamstring injury and is likely to be out until after the October international break. It seems a shame, given the new system that Moyes Has been playing recently. Do you, Tom, sort of gutted that he's he's going to be out because he has been better? Um, Or do you think you know what? It might be a chance for perhaps Ben Johnson to come in or Ashby, who Mm -hmm. played in the cup the other night, to come in and uh, and stamp their mark on the team.
4: I think it's one of those like you say. He's he's definitely been a marked improvement since uh, we switched that five, and he's playing as a wing back and. For me, he made that position his own and, and rightly so, he should have been the starting right back because um, his performances recently. However, I do think Bob Johnson's got potential. He's brilliant at the end of last season. I don't think there's a massive step down, shall we say, in ability between the two. And I think Johnson's probably got the highest ceiling. So it's not one of those I think is is going to massively impact us and, and cause us massive dramas over the next couple of weeks because it's only... The game he's out for anyway in the league, isn't he? Only missed about two games because of the international break. It was it a nice time for him? So, should be all right. And maybe actually force the board. It's another reason to go out, look at the fullbacks, and potentially get a utility fullback who can play both positions because they're trying to penny pinch. and at least we can fill fill both slots in a way. And I think it might actually force us to go out and uh, actually put some money on a fullback in one way or another.
3: Jonesy, sort of buy into what Tom's saying there, or do you, do you think that if nothing else? Uh, made the club go out and spend money why should this
2: I think I think we have to um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about you know we're one or two injuries away from having to revert back that to, to our old formation that wasn't really working you know you need cover in those positions if we're going to play this system for the rest of the season um, and you know we've won right back fit and relatively inexperienced you know and This isn't... Fredericks might come back for three or four weeks and get injured again, you know. His injury record at the club is pretty poor. Um, So we we need to go out and in the next week, uh, what, six days and and bring in one or two players who can play in that position. Or as Tom said, you know, someone as a utility fullback that can play either side. um, But the trouble is they're very rare. So they've got to spend some money. They've got to bring someone in, even if it's a loan, just some cover. Because um, otherwise... Another yeah, exactly. You know, and Ben Johnson, it I is. like him, he looks really promising. Um, but you know, he's inexperienced, and we can't rely on him to step in and, and have a, a, an amazing season and, and save the day for the next 35 36 games. Like, you know, we just can't be unfair on him to do that. We need to, uh, to bring a little bit more experience and a bit more stability in, in those positions. So, um, yeah, uh, and as we know, the, the squad are listening, David Sullivan's probably listening as well. So, Dave. Sign so someone, please. Just anyone. I've
3: heard, uh, I've heard Watford's right back. I can't remember his name. Ngakia or something. Apparently, he looks really tidy. Perhaps we could bring him in. Oh,
2: don't. Who'd don't.
3: have thought it, hey? He'd want, he'd want at least 20 grand a week, wouldn't he? So, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely peanuts in it. No brainer. Yeah, absolute no brainer. So, you mentioned David Sullivan there, Jonesy, and he gave an interview this week to Jim White on Talk Sport. It's widely sort of accepted or widely assumed shall we say that Jim White and David Sullivan are in fairly regular contact Jim White in recent weeks has come out with a couple of stories on Talk Sport, on his Talk Sport show mid-morning saying that you know he's from a source close to the board uh, and that they, they feel like they've been hung out to dry a couple of occasions he has said that he's been in direct contact with one of the owners so it's generally assumed that it is David Sullivan. Uh, the interview gave this week nothing really that new. Really, the headlines saying that he can't sign anyone, that David Moyes doesn't want him to sign. He said he'd done that with the previous regime, as he's taken to calling him. Uh, Memo Pellegrini and Houselos saying that he bought Fabianski and Diop without them knowing. Did you what, what else? What did you make of the interview? Really, just sort of saying much of a much of the usual stuff.
2: I don't think he said anything that that surprised us really i think um I, mean, I think a lot of us would have preferred him just not to speak at all uh, given the the the, the, the general
3: yeah
2: i think the general feeling amongst the amongst the fan base like and there is this gem the the, the uh, an acceptance or at least a, an assumption that you know he's not going to deliver any any more players between now and monday night um uh, and for him to then come out and say, well, um, you know, we, we might not sign anyone. We're, we're trying to get two or three in, but it might not even happen. Kind of told us everything that we, we kind of already knew. Um, it didn't, nothing groundbreaking. I think the only thing that stood out was that he half moaned that it was going to cost 50 grand to to go up to Everton and play play in the cup. And it was like, well, yeah. I mean, why, why did you even say that? Like It was just, it was just yeah. a total, yeah. ridiculous yeah. comment, which everyone everyone picked up on it. Um, and it, it didn't do him any favours, is yes. what I'm saying. Um, no, yeah. Him it doing the interview, interview didn't do him any favours. It didn't strengthen the the perception that fans have of him or the rest of the board. Um, and he yeah. didn't say anything to to really reassure the fans that everything's okay, everything's under control, we're going to be okay, we're going to sign X, Y and Z or whatever. Which is why I, why I and I'm sure a lot of other fans... Would have just rather him just not come on and done that interview. I think it did him more harm than good, um, in the eyes of the fans. Really, even though he didn't really say anything that we all kind of already didn't know.
3: Okay, Tom. Tom, I will. I will mm. throw to you in a sec. But Jonesy, I just want to ask you one thing. Then is he not damned if he does and damned if he doesn't? Because he gets loads of stick. Or him in particular, I think the the general feeling among fans is that although it's GSB out, is the movement. I think the main, a lot of the anger is directed towards Sullivan and then Brady and then gold in that order. I think it would be fair to say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as coming out and speaking, I think fans get annoyed because every time he goes on TalkSport, it's either, or if in the times he has in recent memory, it's been with either um, Ian Abrahams or Jim White. And there's a sense among fans that they both are you know friend not friends but you know what I mean like professional contacts um and that he gets that Sullivan gets an easy ride or gold David Gold did an interview with Moose earlier this year and the, the feeling after that and and the same again I think from Jim White is that he gets an easy ride. Now to play devil's advocate here um do you think it is a bit damned if he do does damned if he doesn't or what do you think he would get more respect if he was to come on to a platform like ours and do an interview of that kind with the three of us, for example, as opposed to talk sport where there is that feeling among fans, especially, that he is just threatened you know, that they, he's got that positive, good relationship? Uh, with Jim White um, and the Moose as well, and that he's he's going to get that easier ride. Do I? Because I, I just think, is it damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, as far as coming out to speak goes?
2: I, I disagree because, you know, we have the most vocal chairman in England, probably. Give or take one or two chairmen yeah, down in the agree, lower leagues. Yeah. Um, definitely in the Premier League.
3: Sorry, the Premier League for sure, yeah. Yeah,
2: and that I think that's one thing that, that gets a lot of fans' backs up is that, you know, the only time he ever comes out and speaks is when it's with the likes of Jim White or, or Ian Abrams on, on Talk TalkSport. Um, two, two broadcasters that that have never criticised David Sullivan, Gold or, or Brady for, for you know, what the fans criticise them for and what they have done for over the last few years particularly. Um, you won't find Jim White criticising David Sullivan. That's why David Sullivan will go on and do an interview with Jim White because he knows he'll get the easy ride, the easy interview. He won't be pressured into answering difficult questions—the questions that the fans want answered—and um, yeah, you're right. You know, he would get a hell of a lot more respect if he came on to uh, a fans forum, like a podcast like this. I, I know that. I think West Ham fan TV have asked him numerous times to go on, and he's declined every time. Um, I'm led to believe so, and there's probably more other podcasts that have done the exact same thing, and he's declined because he knows he'll get pressured. Uh, and I think that's why he's better off just not doing these interviews with TalkSport because he's not going to say anything that's going to go anywhere near repairing the, his rep, the, the reputation in the eyes of the fans. He's better off just staying away from the limelight, not doing these interviews if he's not going to do it with fans um, or other you know, broadcasters and um, just get on with the job in hand and that's signing some players and fixing West Ham United. Um, so yeah, that's the way I see it, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, I know I'm not alone in that in that thought. Uh, I just think you, you say damn if he does, damn if he doesn't. Well, you know, yeah. But when you're coming on and just just saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff, what, what does it achieve, really? What does it achieve?
3: Well, that that was my next point, and I'll throw this to you, Tom, um, mm. because Jonesy, you said there and you started all of that with the assumption that any of David Sullivan's thinking when he goes and gives interviews like that is to, is to appease fans. What Tom, what do you think? Mm. Cause I'm, I do not think that's true because he, like you say, he knows uh, what the reaction will be. He knows fans will, will kick mm. back and say, why don't you field fans from a fan group rather than mm. someone who's perceived to be uh, a, you know, a good or a close contact of his, I think, I don't think that mm. the reason for those interviews can be to appease fans or to get a message to fans. Tom, what, what's your take on the whole thing? Yeah. Is it, it confuses me really. I'm, I'm sort mm. of a bit stuck in between. I don't begrudge Jim White or uh, Moose mm. who, you know, it's worth remembering Moose has got a, a column in the program mm. uh, that that will be whether it's a paid one, I'm not sure, but it could be an income or it's certainly proof of a relationship with the club and journalists have to have those. You, you know, you can't the sky sports news and talk sport wouldn't be the organizations they are with the listeners and the viewers in the millions, if they didn't have positive relationships with clubs to get, you know, is it, is a give and take process. Mm. So what do you make of, of those interviews, mm. Tom? Because I think, although James says it might not go the way you'd like, if he was to come on uh, the We Are West Stand podcast, for example, or any fan forum, as James mentioned, mm. there at least with some measured but deliberate and structured questions, mm. he, he might at least, whether the answers were what fans would like, he might at least garner a little bit more respect for at least fronting up, do you think?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when he goes on the these big platforms, I'm I'm a believer like Jonesy. And I think the reason he does it is, is for selfish reasons, mate. I think it's to do with the fact that he he often comes and does it when he's just been on the back of poor press the weeks or months before and he's doing it to save his face and put over a a sort of image to these broadcasters and sort of lend his olive branch to sort of show that he'll give him big material or give him big sound bites and sort of don't don't oust him, give him that respect. To hit For him, it's easy to go, look, we'll give you this massive thing, which can draw over three, four days of massive news off you as your platform and it's from you and we'll make you a lot of money or get whatever it is that comes in for them. So I think he's doing it to keep a relationship there in order for him to have a bit of saving of face in the press. And then secondly, about his actual interview, I thought it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as we've seen him. It wasn't as bad as we've seen him. But each time he comes on, he just doesn't come across as a particularly professional football man who is going to take a club to where a club like West Ham should be and that he's his head's in the right space and he says things like, um, but the last regime's um, transfer window and transfer strategy is terrible. And then in the same sentence, he says, we've got a brilliant starting three in the cup last night. Here he are all outstanding footballers, Anson Hala-Yarmalenko, all brought in by Pellegrini. He says "The press the week, the day before, a few days before a Premier League game, he says that, he's depressed about the transfer window you've got a whole club listening to that. You've got a whole fan base listening to that. That's not helping anyone in any aspect, but I, yeah, I think it's mainly pet selfish reasons, but I think this is, is probably one of the few interviews I've heard him do where I really can't have anything too serious or too much of a problem because he's obviously not all bad. He's obviously got his reasons for doing it, but it just Jones, it just made no sense as in, it just feels like a pointless venture for him to do without, without giving us anything. It's not like he had a big news story or a big signing or a big announcement about the stadium. It was just for his personal reasons to get a bit of airtime for whatever reason that he wanted. And we don't actually know because felt like mm. it was purposeless. But yeah, the, the woe be me line does confuse me somewhat. Yeah.
3: Just, I think with statements like that, it just seems to... I don't know. Alienate him to the fans even more. Not that he's bothered about that, to be honest. I don't, I don't think. Mm. But I just, I don't think you can log on to Twitter. And I know Twitter's not the place to go to for your gauge. But there's mm.
0: genuine,
3: the amount of the fans marching in the thousands earlier in the season, or sorry, earlier in the year. That doesn't come from nowhere, does it? These things are real, and no. you know it's easy to type something on Twitter. But where it gets to the stage where that many people are actually taking physical action and going on a march like that, that hasn't even been seen at Newcastle in those sort of numbers, has it? We're widely considered to be the most unhappy with the board. And I just find it confusing that, like you say, because it's not the first time, every time it comes out, it's like, oh, it makes me really depressed. It's like, what on earth are you talking about? What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> like, you are the one with all the cards in your hand. And you can play them however you like. You've got the money, the decision-making power, the majority of the shares, which means that yeah, you you can make all the decisions. You have all the cards in your hands. Every other club in the Premier League is is going out. And he, he mentioned the oh, we're not an Ast- we're not a monarchy. We're not Qatar or Manchester City or whatever. Fine, fine, fine. Then, as Trevor Sinclair recently said surely it makes sense then to sell it to someone who is. If James, if I had promised you, and think of the world-class football in a world-class stadium statement here, Mm -hmm. if I had promised to do something for you, James, in return for something else, with the best intentions in my heart, and you'd held up your end of the bargain for me, and I was trying my best, my very best, and after a while, you were getting irate with me and saying, mate, I need that thing you've promised me, and I had realised that I could no longer do it by a feeling of honour that I had to our original agreement because of my relationship with you as a bloke or, as you'd hope, the relationship with the owners to the fans. But on the virtue of that honour, I would say to you, James, I'm really sorry. I can't provide that, but I'm going to do my best. And here is someone who can. So you are getting the bit that I promised you because although I might not be able to provide it, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And it goes against everything. The whole of our society is built upon trading, isn't it? We Mm. trade money for things every day, every day of our lives, be it for a coffee in the morning or for a mortgage or whatever it is. You go into Starbucks and you give them your £3.50 and ask for a latte, and they say, yeah, no problem. If you wait five minutes for your latte, then you start going, well, where's it gone? If it's 15 minutes, you say, you promised me a latte 15 minutes ago, and then all of a sudden you notice I haven't even bought the coffee machine to be able to make the latte. You'd start kicking off and going, hang on a minute, I want my money back. That's how the whole of society works on people giving and something and getting something in return. It was leave your spiritual home where you've all loved going for generations of your families have loved going. In return for that, the team on the pitch will no longer be a cruddy, scrapping for relegation one. Everyone was kind of dragged into that agreement anyway, whether or not fans were were willing to do it and willing to go into it with an open open eyes and an open mind is, is that that's gone anyway i'm not certain that that fans did go into it with that, and the situation we are now it baffles me the most baffling thing of all of it is that the owners are clearly in a position as they' they're openly saying now yeah we haven't got this money so, but but surely you feel some sort of sense of guilt for the original promise and what you've done to fans and some sort of sense of responsibility to pass the club on to someone else who can. Because interviews like that, it's just insulting to people.
2: I, I genuinely believe, I agree with that. Um, I genuinely believe that, I think David Sullivan still believes that he can deliver that promise. How, mate? Um, how? I No, well, everyone knows that, it's quite obvious what four or five years down the line that he's not going to be able to do that. Um but I think I genuinely believe that he still believes that he can deliver that promise of a world class team and a world class stadium. Um and I think, you know, the reality is that he he can't and he won't. And Trevor Sinclair was right. And as you just said with you know with that great Starbucks analogy, um yeah, like <laughs> it's time for him to accept that he can't deliver that promise. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't doubt his intentions were, you know, were right at the time uh, and the board were, and the club's intentions at the time to get fans on, on, on side for that move weren't right. Uh, I don't think it was, it was just, uh, it was like a, it was a, it was a, a stone cold lie. I, I don't believe it was a lie. Um but they have to now accept that it's not going to happen under their stewardship. They're not going to be able to deliver that promise. And it is time to hand the club over to to someone or a group of people that are able to, to give fans what was initially promised because um, they say they're fans themselves. Well, like, come on, like, you then should know how we feel as a group of fans about what we've been promised and not been delivered? Um, but well, I'm sure more and more that's going to come over the next the next year or two. But um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't know what else to say about it, and no, it's, we could but, go around in circles, couldn't we? Really? Yeah,
3: you, know, I, you know what I think, mate? Uh, I just think it must be it might, to put yourself in his shoes for a bit. If you're in that position, you know he's got lots of money, and people sort of think, oh, because he's got lots of money, that stops your problems in your life or whatever. And from most people who've got lots of money, will tell you that that's not true. Money and fame don't solve a lot of your problems. And it must be one of the most impossible admissions of failure to make. If you if you make a failure in your your business, your day-to-day business, whether you're in construction or like golden uh, golden with Ann Summers or whatever. If you make a business decision like that, and you don't sell as many pair of pairs of knickers that month, or you don't build as many houses or whatever. Then that sort of even that people struggle, their egos will struggle to accept that. But if if you are you're a West Ham fan, you finally got to a stage in life through other means where you had enough money to buy your boyhood football club and be the one in control. It must be almost impossible to admit that you not only sort of cocked it up, but there whether you agree that it's right or not, you have left the vast majority or a majority or a large part, let me refine that once more, a large percentage of the fan base who just resent you for what you've done and changing their lives, that must be an impossible thing. And I think even now, if they were just to go, look, we are so sorry, we have stuffed up. It was really impossible to admit it. We have, We and we'll pass it on. We'll, we're, we're sorry, we can't do anything else. We'll pass it on and we really hope that the future is going to be better. That's, that's what I would hope for. I did not expect to have this little uh, detour onto this topic, I'm afraid, lads, but obviously just a topic that we are all pretty passionate about um, on the the ownership side of things. The transfer rumours, we'll, we'll cover that briefly next and a quick look ahead to Everton in the Carabao Cup. So, that was a bit of a long-winded, emotional uh, detour, I think, from uh, for We Are West Ham. We plan to only touch on that David Sullivan interview briefly, but as ever, with me and the lads, these things mean a lot to us, and uh, it's easy to... Um, to To delve into these these topics a little bit more than we sometimes intend to, but uh, Tom, with the uh, one topic which we won't have to spend too much time on is the West East, mm. the West Ham transfer segment. The, we've had some the usual amount of rumours of players ranging from players I have heard of, players I've never heard of, and players I've heard of but would not be at all excited about them coming to West Ham. Um, I know you've got a, a couple. I think Leicester have made a sign-in in the last few hours, which could impact on us.
4: Yes, well, mate, there's um, Wesley Fafana, the young lad from St Etienne, centre-half, who's a, a 19-year-old, very talented centre-half. It looks like Leicester have agreed a fee with them with St Etienne, around £36 million and a bit in bonuses, which isn't too distant to the deal we proposed um, at the back end of last week, but Obviously, there's other there's other things in play, but I guess it's also a show of where we are in the market and uh, how desirable are for some players because that one's gone through and and looks to have been wrapped up or is being wrapped up as we speak. Other than that, I've seen uh, Jonathan Tyl was linked with us. Um, he'd be a great signing, a loan to permanent. The Bar Leverkusen centre half who's uh, got ten caps for Germany and he's only 24, really good age, um, and apparently it's a loan to view we're looking at, but. Seems like any centre-half who's over six foot two in plays in Germany or Italy is on our on our radar at the minute. So I think it's one of those weeks, lads, where it's going to get down to the deadline. And uh, as long as we've got someone, we'll be happy.
3: Yeah, well, I've got uh, Montpellier striker Gaten Laborde. I've read that in the two or three different places today. That one, again, sort of very early stages, mm. rumour, nothing concrete. Apparently, we've had a loan deal for Chris Smalling, Rejected because he wants to stick in Italy next season. Uh, we're supposed to have open talks with Napoli for their defender Nikola Maximovic, centre uh, half, I think, and we're considering a bid for Rangers captain and right back James Tavernier. I mean, you know, and I, unless he's Kieran Tierney level. Anyone coming down from the SPL? Knowing it for me, I, I, again, I've, I've never really been that buzzing about transfers. I've been <laughs> about it once they've signed on the dotted line and holding their shirt up like this, um, so uh, it's hard for me to get excited in a normal transfer window when it looks like we're actually spending money in one of these. Um, mm. you know, I, I, I struggle to to give much credence to any of these. Jonesy, uh, Joe Roden as well uh, from Swansea. I think some news about him.
2: Yeah, Joe Roden at Swansea, has um, got a lot of promise, um, quite highly rated down there, but um, also very injury-prone, which kind of fits our our, uh, our transfer strategy, doesn't it, from, from years gone by. So, yeah, you never know. But you know, if he can stay fit, then that would be quite a good signing, I think. Um, James Tavernier, actually a good signing. I think he'd be quite a good signing for us um if we can if we can do that deal. But the others I don't know a great deal about. Um, never heard of Laborde. Um but yeah, I I think we we get judging by the names that we're linked with, it does feel as though we're beginning to scrape the barrel a little bit. Um getting a little bit desperate in these last six or seven days and um it's gonna be an interesting uh deadline day I think. I think I I Although you know, there's a lot of doubt over whether we will do any deals, I reckon deadline day we'll probably see two or three new faces all on loan deals, maybe a view to mm-hmm. buy like Suchek was. And if they can, it, they can come with um, the same quality as Suchek, then I wouldn't mind. But it does seem as though we're beginning to get a little bit desperate to scrape the barrel.
3: I must admit, fair play to uh, Joe Roden as well at Swansea, playing for Swansea and signing a £100 million podcast deal with Spotify. Recently, I've yeah. got a lot, of, a lot of time for him that. Fair <laughs> so play to him. I, uh, I don't know how you manage playing football in Wales. We're still doing a podcast, uh, the most successful podcast in the world out in California. So, I'm glad you got that one, Tom, because I was a little bit fearful that might go over both of your heads. Anyone listening at home, just Google Joe Rogan podcast and you know what I'm talking about. He's almost as big as we are, West Ham. Our £100 million deal with Spotify is in the offing any day now, I think. Declan Rice is the only potential outgoing, lads. I've just written snore off on the running order because... It's just a load of usual stuff. It's just wait and see, isn't it? If Chelsea Mm. are going to come in with a big bid at the end of the window, then we wait and see how we get on, um, whether they will or not. It's just speculation. From our point of view now, I'm I'm not particularly concerned. It seems to me like he's certainly not playing like a man who's who's had his head turned. I thought he was really good the other night against Wolves. um, My feeling deep down is that we'll be able to hold on to him, at least... Until January, and um, if you two feel the same, Tom.
4: Yeah, I think I think he'll be here. With all the noises coming out from the camp after the win on Sunday, Oven come out obviously said he's not going to go anywhere. And like you said, he says, look at him; he, he looks like a player who still wants to be here and that his head's in the game here. And I think Jacob Steinberg did uh did an article today saying that there's no chance West Ham is saying that there's absolutely zero chance they'll be moved on this window. And uh, I think Chelsea are starting to look elsewhere. Fingers crossed, but. Yeah, transfer window can change, but I'd be very, very surprised if he's still not there come the end of the week.
3: Absolutely. Jones, uh, Everton away in the League Cup. By the time most people are listening to this podcast, that game will be tonight. That's Wednesday night, at Goodison Park, quarter to 8 kickoff. we um, We've done all right. Well, we've done very well in the Cup so far. We can only beat what's in front of you, and we've done exactly that. Are you a little bit more concerned going up against Everton or are you even worried about whether we go through or not?
2: It's a tough fixture. I think you know a lot of people will wonder whether we can really whether we can really afford a cut run given the situation <laughs> in the league. But um, well,
3: it costs 50 grand a time.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean literally afford <laughs> afford financially and afford it for, for for the like the fortunes on the pitch. But um yeah, I'd, <laughs> it, perhaps
3: a little chip in go fund yeah. me or something. There was, there,
2: there was a fundraiser actually after David Sullivan um, mentioned that in his interview. There's a little fundraiser. <laughs> was right. I think they got to a few hundred quid or something like that, and, and then people stopped chipping in. But I mean, fair play for even <laughs> setting it up. But um,
3: Get a mini yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, I It's a tough draw. I mean, Everton are, are flying at the moment. I, I'm, I'm sure they won't feel a. Uh, a, a full strength side. Given it looks like they're going all out for it in the Premier League, didn't they? Ancelotti and made some cracking signings in the summer. Um, Calvert Lewin's on fire. Uh, James Rodriguez is just class. Um, so it, it, if they field a weakened side, then I reckon we, we might have half a chance. Um, but it's whether what side we we field as well. Um, but I'm I'm not really expecting us to go through. I'd love to see us go through. But I'd be very, very surprised. I think I'd be more surprised than I was on Sunday night against Wolves.
3: Mm, yeah, well, David Sullivan was singing the virtues of the strength of uh, West Ham squad, Tom, or the, the mm. certainly the fringe players as they are at the moment. Are you um, expected to see what may be considered our B team, if you like, um, mm. but our weaker team consists of about 180 million quid worth of talent at the moment, I think.
4: Yeah, exactly. There'll be the same three up there. It'll be Anderson, Yarmolenko, Haller. That's pretty much a guarantee, I think. Lanzini will play. Noble is now outside, so he'll come into the League Cup side. And then you're going to have one of the young right-backs, whether that be Johnson or Ashby playing. And I I think we'll field a decent side, but they were on TV last week and I saw the side they played against Fleetwood and it had Richarlison, it had Bernardo. They said a slightly stronger side than we did. And I think Ancelotti, we are in Europe, I think they're very much on the hunt for a trophy quickly because they haven't won something in a long time either. And um, it seems like a pretty, uh, uh, one of those leagues and one of those periods in football where anyone can beat anyone and anybody is beating anyone. And I think both of us, if we get through, or we'll actually fancy ourselves. So I'd love it. I'd, I'd honestly love us to play a few of the senior players, play, actually make a good fist of it because this is why we're fans going to cup finals. I know we won't be there, sorry, but, but watching a cup final, be involved in something. So I really, really do hope that uh, we go through, even though it's it's not what I'm expecting, sadly.
3: I'm totally with you, Jonesy. I think, uh, yeah, hopefully we play a strong squad as well. Because I'm with you. I think if we do that, be it, and bear in mind, it's early in the season as well. So players are still, uh, managers are still trying to get minutes in players' legs, aren't they? I know they're mm. moaning about the compact fix, just schedule, but most teams didn't have a proper pre-season. So... I think, uh, yes, if if we see some strong players and we can get any sort of result um, and manage to get through to the next round, that will be fantastic. But huge game in the league for West Ham on Sunday, beat Wolves, which no one expected to last weekend. And it's Leicester away, probably the most informed team in the Premier League, top of the league, smashed five goals past Man City. Last week, and we've got Josh Jones, sports journalist from the Sun, and big Leicester City fan, joining us to talk about that game next. So, all three of us hoping that West Ham go through in the Carabao Cup Wednesday night against Everton—a tough task. But certainly doable if West Ham carry on their recent form. One team who has been in fantastic form. In fact, the best form in the Premier League because they sit top at the moment are Leicester City thrashing Manchester City at the Etihad 5-2 at the weekend. And joining us, I'm delighted to say, to run through that Leicester game on Sunday at the King Power lunchtime kickoff is Josh Jones, sports journalist from the Sun and big Leicester fan. JJ, lovely to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. What a result at the weekend, first of all. First time Pep Guardiola has conceded five, I think since he was about nine, playing under sixes or under tens, Sunday league football, whatever it was. What a result that was.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, Jeds. Oh, It was it was bonkers. We were, we were a little bit nervous going into it. It's Man City away and we kind of had a little bit of a... We've had two good results going into it, but... So the way we kind of set up first twenty minutes, just sit in, try and contain, and good old Riyad Mahrez goes and scores his his first goal with his right foot, I think, ever, and pings it in the top corner, and we're thinking, here we go. Then we sat in and, and actually got into the game, played better than Rodri gave us credit for, and uh, and went and went and banged in five, helped by three penalties, of course.
4: Brendan in Rogers in the time he's been has been unbelievable, really. I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. Is there a worry that maybe this season will be the season where he could be poached by one of the top six clubs, specifically like a United who look like they're struggling? Spurs are never far away from it. So do you think it could be the year he moves on? Who was that, sorry?
3: Brendan Rodgers. Do
4: you think a lot of the big clubs will be looking at him this season?
0: You've got so
3: many talented people at Leicester, haven't you, JJ? It could have been anyone.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think with with Brendan, I think he's done. He's been at the King Power, what coming up to a year and a half, just about. I think it was February twenty nineteen. He came in, and end of last season, well, the season before, I guess. Now was was very much kind of finding his feet, implementing this kind of new style. Where Leicester obviously won the league with that counter attacking football that, mm. that that worked wonders against, especially against the big teams. And then learning to play, which was really as undoing, was trying to break down teams who were willing to sit back against them. So I think actually going away to a game like City, where they could go and sit in and hit them on the counter, but also play some good football in between that, was, was amazing for for, the, for everyone, really. In terms of him moving on, I can, you, you can see Brendan has got big ambitions. He's an ambitious guy. He wants to win the Premier League. I don't think he's... I don't think he'd make that. Obviously he hasn't said it outrightly, but he's an ambitious guy. He wants to win the Premier League. Will he do that at Leicester, or has he got a better chance of doing that elsewhere? Let's be honest. He's probably got a better chance of doing that elsewhere. But I think he's got a really good group of players and a good. He's got a good backroom staff, a good board, a good owner. It's at the moment. Which where is he going to go? Obviously, the, the two the two big big clubs. Don't look like they're going to be get rid of their manager anytime soon. You wouldn't have thought if they can keep if Manchester City can keep Pep. Arsenal look like they've got Arteta for the long term. Do you look at Spurs or Man United possibly? Does he go back to Chelsea? It's it's got to be a worry, especially if, if Leicester keep up such a good form this season.
2: JJ, everyone knows about the, the the grievances that West Ham have with with the club's ownership. Um, but then, if you look at look over at Leicester, have had just an incredible, you know, five or six years under under your ownership, and and, it, and everyone thought you just sort of ended up tailing off after winning the league, um, did for maybe sort of half a season. But then it seems to have sort of jumped back up again. Um, what is it that that they've done at, at Leicester which has allowed that that continu- continuity and that consistency of? you know, attracting the likes of Brendan Rodgers, bringing in those players. Um, surely it's not down to just winning the league one season and then just living off of that reputation. What is it that they're doing at the club to to continue grow Leicester the way that they are and do such a great job?
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great question. They, they've actually spent, it's about 10 years since the, the King Power Group bought Leicester City from Milan Mandrich. They celebrated their 10 years earlier this year and, and that goes right back from kind of, being on the brink of administration through the championship, through that playoff, that playoff heartbreak against Watford, obviously, to then get into the Premier League mm-hmm. and then have the Nigel Pearson saga and then bringing in Claudio Ranieri, which a lot of people weren't agreeing with, to go onto the league to then get rid of Ranieri, etc. And but the, the club and obviously the late chairman Vichai Shivadapaba and his son Top, these guys really care. They they didn't just want to buy a football club and just throw loads of money at it and hope to get more cash out of it. These guys wanted to get involved in football. They wanted to, to kind of cultivate a, t- a team and, and make it their own. And, and whenever, especially when, well, Vijay am top, and now sadly only top, whenever they're around the club, they, they, they've got such good personal relationships with everyone. They care so deeply I remember even when I was kind of a kid, I'd be at the ground and you'd meet like very, very briefly, but you have a very brief interaction with one of them. And and they're so friendly. They just love being around the club. And there's that genuine warmth of actually these guys are so respected. Um, and these guys are like among the richest people from Thailand, among the richest in the world, let's be honest. But very, very humble, very down to earth. And I think there's a lot of it of, okay, we don't, we're not football experts. We're we going to get the people in who know football, who are going to make those kind of decisions as well. But we care about this club, and we want it to. We want it to do well, uh, and that's been absolutely crucial.
3: That's got to be the. Uh, that sounds like the absolute perfect mix that you want in an owner, doesn't it? The, perhaps especially the awareness that um, that you might not know the best way to run a football club and leave that or hire some professionals who who perhaps do, or certainly a specialist in their field. Your recruitment always seems to uh, smash it out of the park. I can't think of of too many, if any, bad signings you've made um, over the past three or four years or whatever. So, uh, yeah, sort of an envious position. We have saying the same thing about Wolves going into that game last weekend. JJ, we normally let people go and do this, uh, the Twitter poll segment. Um, without our opposition view guy on, but we'll leave you on it for now so we can wrap up this uh, segment. We we put out a Twitter poll as we do every week to the We Are West Ham listeners on Twitter. That's We Are Underscore West Ham. If you don't already follow us on Twitter, go and do that now and you can get involved every week. Jonesy, it was a simple one this week. Sebastian Haller has been banging them in for fun in the Carabao Cup. You and Tom are quick to party and take your shirts off and spin them around your head whenever he does that because oh my god how good is he um, you don't like it when i remind you that he's doing it against championship or league one opposition however Mikhail antonio has been doing it in the league again yeah, not in such hot goal scoring form as he was at the end of last season but still doing an excellent job in that one up front low and striker role so we simply put it to the we are west ham listeners earlier today Uh, Sebastian Haller or Antonio to start up front versus Leicester. Now, I I was the one who put the poll out earlier today and within minutes I seem to feel um, that i perhaps made a mistake in not putting an option for both on there. I don't think that that is an option because of the style of play and the formation that we're going to play it's just not he's just not going to play both up front. But Jonesy, what were the uh, what were the final percentages, um, and what do the We Are West Ham listeners want to see uh, for that up front, or to take that striker's berth against Leicester on Sunday? Well,
2: it was a, a pretty uh, runaway winner. Michael Antonio with just over sixty one percent. Yeah, I think everyone still wants to see Antonio start up front, uh, even though Haller scored five goals already this season. Uh, four more than Antonio, um, but you know, is what it is. Um, but there's, <laughs> a, a, as you said, a lot of a lot of people have, have said both um, Amir Narosi both uh, at a Cross Hammer, both uh, Adam Nana said Haller up top, Antonio on the left, and Bowen on the right. Um, but you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I suppose Tom Toll, can we keep the win back system and play both? Put Yamo in the number ten role. Which is um, I'm not too sure about that one, but um, it does seem as though Antonio is the favourite, uh, just because he runs around a lot more. I think he's a little bit more mobile, um, but Haller's the better finisher. He was on the pitch for two minutes against Wolves and already and already scored. You know, I can imagine what you could do in ninety.
3: Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm not biting on this <laughs> one. I'm not biting on this one, Tom. Um, the, we'll, we'll throw to you in a minute, JJ. Just while we've still got you, what do you what do you think? If, as a Leicester fan, who would you prefer to face? The We Are West Ham listeners there, 61% saying they prefer to see Michel Antonio. To be quite honest, there's not going to be two up front. So those asking for who'd like to see both, I just don't think that's a realistic uh, situation. There is half a chance, James mentioned there, Heller has been putting him in in the League Cup against um, you know Rhys Burke and other such defenders. But uh, who would you rather see as a Leicester fan lining up?
0: Think especially if we go with a back two of of Evans and Siunchu, which I think is is likely I'd rather see Halaire I think Seunchu up against halaire i'd I'd back Siunchu out of the two I, think just, I haven't watched loads of West Ham so far this season, but especially from from what I saw from from Sunday's highlights it looked like Antonio was running the show personally i, mean, I haven't seen the full game, but looked like he was he was really stretching the defense and really causing problems and, and it's I think I'd rather see Sioncha and Evans go up against a big man and go kind of head to head with him rather than having Antonio drawing us, drawing them out and bringing the others into play.
3: James Jones looks absolutely furious with that answer you've just given JJ. Anyone who comes on and suggests that Sebastian Haller should not be in the team is not a popular man. What a battle, a battle of the JJs that would be. Tom, what are your thoughts briefly before we get uh, Josh's predictions for Sunday? What are your thoughts on the Haller-Antonio question, if it even is one?
4: Sadly, I mean, I love, I love Haller, I love him scoring goals, but it has to be Antonio. He's For me, he's been up best player since lockdown he's probably one of the Antonio is probably one of the best all-round strikers in the league at the minute I'll go as far to say is what he does for our team and the way he carries us up the pitch back to goal striker I'm talking about he, he's one of the most action men striker out there he does everything he runs all game he's quick he's strong he bullied Connor Cody at the weekend that like absolutely destroyed him um, and I think that there's not many centre-halves out there who would like to play against him uh, it was only last season Eric Dyer said he's the hardest striker he's played against in the Premier League, and I think he's starting to show it's it now. Tired, isn't it? Yeah, but, but it's, mate, it's a Premier League footballer hardest striker he's played against. played the champion, I think, the big, strong, starting to find goals and get him strikers' goals, not weird Antonio goals where they hit his shin or something, just actually in the yard yardbone and having a bit of composure there. So Antonio all day.
3: Excellent, JJ. Just uh, before we let you go, let us know how do, how do you think the game's going to play out on Sunday, uh, style wise, and then give us a quick score prediction.
0: I think we Leicester will go back to a four-man defence. Saw the back five against City, where we sat in, but this is a game where we know West Ham are going to are going to be more defensive than City, obviously. Well on Sunday, so it's down to Leicester to take the game to West Ham. So I think it'll be back to the four-one-four-one. Be interested to see who plays on the right of that four, um, whether it be Cengiz Unda making his debut, whether it be Yosi Perez comes back in, um, James Madison looks like he could well start if Dennis Pratt's not fit. Um, and just looking back to last season at, at the King Power, I think Leicester won 4-1 um, with kind of Barnes and Ricardo and Perez got a couple towards the end. And uh, without trying to sound too biased, I, I, I'm fairly confident Leicester will win. I think. Uh, I'm gonna
3: go three nil. I'm gonna go three nil Leicester. Three nil. Well, we had a uh, Dan from the Wolves 77 podcast was on last week predicting a two nil win to Wolves, and we ended up scoring double the amount of goals that he predicted to nil. So fingers crossed for a six nil win. West Ham. Just quickly, lads, Jones, I'll throw to you first. Quick score prediction for Leicester on Sunday.
2: Well, I'll keep the positivity just for your sake, Will. Um, I'm going to say a two one win to West Ham. Haleh brace, absolutely off the bench, 90th and ninety first minute.
4: <laughs> exactly, Thomas. Uh, one one, I think one one. I think we'll nick something. I think they'll yeah, be involved think... and turn up arrogant.
3: Yeah, no, I uh, I, lo- I like that thinking. Just on the positivity train, I'll go for a two all. Um, if I think there's, there will be goals in the game, Leicester are pretty scintillating at the moment but we seem to uh, somehow be able to find the back of the net especially against teams that we're not expected to beat. Josh Jones, sports journalist from the Sun, a big Leicester fan thanks so much for joining us and stay with us because we'll have Name That Game next. So, Josh Jones, sports journalist and big Leicester City fan predicting a 3-0 win for Leicester. Very confident, just as Dan from the Wolves 77 podcast was last week. West Ham obviously upset him. I did text the guys from the Wolves 77 and ask for Dan to be our guest on the Opposition Review every time we play the Midlands side. We haven't had JJ on before. So, uh, yet to see what's going to happen on Sunday, a lunchtime kickoff at the King Power Stadium. However, competition is hotting up over on the We Are West Ham. Name of that game, league table as well. I am quiz master this week for the quiz that has replaced the Road Mission Players quiz. Uh, I'll be picking the quiz master each week, picks a West Ham match from history, and the boys have got to guess uh, pieces of information about that game uh, in descending order. I will start uh, by giving an obscure piece of information about the game and then it's up to the boys to give me the scoreline, one opposition goal scorer, West Ham goal scorer, the stadium it was played in, the opponent and the season. It's a point for each one of those pieces of information the lads can give me. They can interrupt at any time. At the moment, James Jones is smashing it, nine points Uh, to my three and Tom Edwards is on two. I'm the quiz master this week, so no chance for me to get any points. James could extend his lead or Tom could make it a lot tighter and close that gap on Jonesy. So without further ado, I will start. Lads, fingers on the buzzers. The obscure fact or piece of information about this game is that West Ham went into this match off of the back of three consecutive 4-0 defeats. James Jones, for those of you not watching on YouTube, hands on the head but staying silent as ever. Tom scratching his chin with a pencil. The scoreline, fact number two, oh, was 2-1. Oh. Hmm. The next piece of information required if you want to guess boys for the chance to win the first point is an opposition goal scorer. No guesses from the boys. So the opposition goal scorer was Roque Santa Cruz. Yeah. Thomas Edwards. So the next piece of information I need from you, Tom, is you need to give me... At one of the West Ham goalscorers
4: Freddie Sears
3: that is correct Tom Edwards that is one point to you James Jones it throws over to you to give me the stadium in Park that is correct that is one all James Jones gets the stadium correct Tom Edwards it throws to you for the opponent uh, Blackburn That is correct. Tom Edwards makes it 2-1 with Blackburn. One piece of information required James to take it to a tiebreaker. James Jones, can you tell me what season the game I am talking about took place? I'm going to... Jones has thrust his head down towards the desk.
2: 2009-10.
3: James Jones, to take it to a tiebreaker. That is incorrect, Tom Edwards. You have won for the evening. There will be no tiebreaker. Yeah. However, to make it 3-1 to you, Tom Edwards, can you give me the season in which this game took place? Is it 7 08? Tom Edwards, what a shout. He makes it yeah. 3-1 on the night. What a performance from Tom. Total score for the season goes up to five points for Tom with that. 3-1. Jonesy, on the end of it for the first time. But, Tom, great shout. I don't know if you were at that game or not. I vividly remember it. Class diving Mm. header. Freddie Sears had a shot saved by Brad Friedel. And then he nodded home the rebound. The boy from Hornchurch. It never really happened for Freddie after that, but uh, it was a great moment for those of us at West Ham who love homegrown talent doing well.
4: It was exactly that, mate. I remember it. It's one of those, for some reason, it's just stuck out so well. It's a good choice, uh, good choice from you. The moment he scored, he slid right in the corner his celebration. I think Brooking, where I sat, Trevor Brookings and a few of the old boys were actually in some of the boxes and it just felt like a proper uh, West Ham old school family day and it, it was quality, mate. It really was. It was. We had
3: a, a bit of a good record against Blackburn at that time. Jonesy, I'm not going to do the rugby joke this week because I feel like for those listening and even for me as the one who keeps saying it, that has officially got old now. But were you at the game?
2: I was there. I remember it very, very clearly because I remember turning to my brother who then was probably only about 11 or 12 um, and going, remember this kid, mate, this kid's going to be a star. And um, <laughs> That's why I remember it so clearly, because I ended up being very, very wrong. Um, but it was a great moment. Um, yeah, There's nothing like a, a an academy prospect coming off the bench and getting a winner in a game, particularly after having lost 4-0 three times consecutively beforehand. So, um, yeah, I remember it well. Um, I'm glad I just got the point on that one. It takes me up to double figures in the in the, in the points. So, yeah, yeah.
3: Mm. Yep, still works. Uh, so that's James on 10, Tom Edwards on 5, and me floundering at the bottom with just three points. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame for Freddie, really, wasn't it? He Again, it was one of those dream moments. And you know what? Most of us listening to this podcast, most certainly the three of us recording it, you'd take that, wouldn't you? To score, it, yeah. park, to win a game once and then have a... Reasonably okay footballing career since, probably getting an average of five grand a week across all the contracts he's had. A bit of time at Ipswich, a bit of time at Colchester. All right? you know, he might not have been the Premier League superstar that people were hoping he might be. But when you're from Hornchurch, a goal on your West Ham debut to, to win the game, it's, 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 that's all right, isn't it? It's certainly more than the vast majority of West Ham fans would get. So I'd uh, I'd certainly take it. Jonesy, I thought you were going to turn to your brother and say that could be you. <laughs> uh
2: I mean no, I mean he was he was like doing quite well at rugby at the same time as I was actually so. Oh god. He oh, was um, He was pushing for a career in rugby but enjoyed watching the football. Um and it didn't work out for Evis in the end. So um yeah. in rugby or football. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Maybe. <Nah>, <laughs> what is
3: this, Jones? I w- I, w- I will move on, but this this rugby thing, it was a family pursuit, was it? Are you far less football than you've actually let on this whole time?
2: No, i A lot of my mates say this, um, but I'm. I'm a. I'm a big fan of both sports. I'm a big fan of sport in general, really. But I grew up playing rugby more than I did football, um, to to quite a decent standard. And rugby was a big part of my family. Um, yeah. But I'm also a big football fan. You can like both sports, incredible, I know. You can <laughs> enjoy and enjoy playing and watching both sports.
3: Nice. No, I know, but those, those people, I mean, I've spent most of the last week with a mouthful of sand being smashed into the ocean floor whilst trying to stand up on a surfboard in, uh, in the ocean off of the Algarve. However, it just seems, even though it's a completely far-fetched notion that I would be a surfer to those people who know me, it still seems more fathomable or feasible than, than watching you on a, on a rugby pitch. <laughs>
2: I was quite good back then. I was quite a good player. Yeah, I was and you quite were a centre player. as well. Yeah, I was centre.
0: Mm.
2: Started out as a winger, you- but moved it moved inside to centre.
3: Who was the best team you played for? In case anyone listening has heard of the team,
2: uh, I didn't play for for anyone massive. I played for my local team, Woodford, um, which I'm sure oh. some listeners would have would have heard of. But played against some played against Saracens um, at youth level. So, yeah, I played against some some decent sides. Got to the Essex Cup final once. Lost that.
3: Yeah, I think a few of of my old mates from school used to play for South Woodham and Ferrers, and they used to play Woodford. But I digress. Too much rugby chat for the We Are West Ham podcast. That's nearly it for this evening's show. It's been a long one by accident, I must admit, once again. But just one more segment to stay with us because we've got the We Are West Ham Women segment next. And we haven't got the We Are West Ham Women segment. I keep saying we're going to have the We Are West Ham Women segment because that's an idea that Tom came up with a few weeks ago. He wants us to do a women's version of this podcast. We've just got the West Ham Women segment next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And once again, it's been an absolutely packed show, the We Are West Ham podcast. A little longer this season than it was last with a couple of new segments, the Betway charity bets. And of course, the West Ham women's segment, which we wrap up the podcast with. Each week you've got all this far, we've got all this far, me, James and Tom, Uh, so stay with us just for this last little bit. It's been a busy week for the women, no uh, WSL action or no domestic women's football action, they're all off. On an international break at the moment, playing qualifiers for next summer's Euro 21, which is being held in England. It was a busy week. We ran through where all the West Ham girls were off to last week. And uh, yeah, Alicia Lehman scored the winner for Switzerland against Belgium in uh, their Euro 20. 20- one qualifier on Tuesday, which put Switzerland the top of Group H. Good stuff for Alicia Jonesy, your uh, personal favourite player of the season, Czech Football of the Year, Katarina Svitkova. I think she she had a run out as well.
2: Yeah, my favourite player in the squad. I mean, Czech Football of the Year. I mean, you can't get any better than that, can you? So um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she started both both Czech Republic's games versus Poland, uh, 0-0 and a two nil win. Uh, she did pick up a bit of a knock, but um, apparently she should be all right once the season restarts when she's back with the team. So, um, but yeah, decent, decent international run out for Katarina and Czech Republic.
3: That's all you got hope for, isn't it? The uh, Matt Beard, the manager of the women's team, just hoping with all international breaks that they come back not um, with no injuries. Tom Kenzadali, I don't think had much of a chance um, to pick up mm. an injury. He didn't didn't actually play two, I think she played half an hour across France's two games. Yeah, mate.
4: Yeah, yeah. So they obviously, France played twice and she didn't feature in their first win in a 2-0 win against Serbia. But she did get a 30-minute run out when they beat North Macedonia 7-0, the mighty North Macedonia. Um, But yeah, it's probably good for the club that she's come back fit. um, And I'm sure she'll get another chance of France playing some good stuff at the minute.
3: Exactly. Some, uh, the one thing that did really impress me um, when I was looking, keeping up to date with all the girls' action this week, was the 21-year-old Leanne Kiernan. She got a 20th Irish cap. I mean, they were unfortunate they lost 3-0 away to Germany, which puts um, Ireland second in Group I behind the Germans. But 20 international caps at the age of 21 is uh, some impressive feat for Leanne and um, Molly and Rosie Kamita who came on the podcast last season are uh, good friends of Leanne from their time at West Ham and and so she's a great girl as well and just congratulations while we're on the topic actually to Rosie Kamita who's come out of retirement and uh, is lining up Championship side Watford Now some great training shots With Rosie the other day So we wish Rosie the best of luck And hope to speak to her again On the We Are West Ham podcast Later on this season Uh, Two more, Grace Fisk and Rachel Bailey Were part of England's training camp At St George's Park Uh, The Lionesses, Phil Neville's team Had some training games Obviously England are already qualified For next summer's tournaments As they are hosts But the girls got together anyway for a training camp. Lads, one uh, bit bit of a busy international weekend, but one thing um, we, we, we've spoken before on the podcast, especially when it was a radio station before, Jonesy, uh, we've done a couple of things on general mental health awareness. We're both big advocates of it, as I know you are, Tom, as well. Um, you know, We're encouraging, obviously, you earlier, Jonesy, encouraging people to check themselves for physical illnesses in Lyman with um, the stuff you're doing this season for the Dylan Tombidi's foundation, but important for everyone listening as well to, you know, check themselves mentally. It's a, it's much more of a mainstream thing these days. We always hope that everyone listening has got someone to talk to. Um, and if they haven't, they can certainly, certainly reach out to us here at the, we are West Ham Pod at gmail.com. Uh, if any, if ever there's problems, obviously talk to someone. However, the uh, squad goals, a documentary is running on the BBC Three at the moment. It is available to watch through iPlayer, and it's an in-depth documentary on women's football. Uh, West Ham obviously feature heavily in the documentary, and a recent footage emerged this week from the documentary of captain we are West uh, sorry West Ham women's captain Jilly Flaherty talking about her attempt to take her own life ten years ago. So we'll listen to that. Um, you can listen to that clip here.
1: I'm bubbly, do you know what I mean? I'm outgoing, I, I'm always smiling and always happy and that's how I am now. But that wasn't how I was living years ago. I remember being 16 and a coach telling me that I was fat basically. I was living away from home, I wasn't close to my family at all and then obviously I was dealing with the fact of that I knew deep down that I was gay and I didn't know how to handle that. So there was a range of things that I was dealing with and to be honest completely honest, I didn't deal with them really. Was there a point where things got really bad? Yeah, there was a point when um, I made the decision that I was going to take an overdose um, at 17. And yes, sorry. Don't apologise. It's all, it's a huge thing that you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I should have spoke to my mum and dad, do you know what I mean? And I remember going to the hospital, and my mum and dad coming in and crying. The reason for me doing it was because I just couldn't cope. I didn't know, I didn't know how to handle it, and I just thought, do you know what, I'm just better off not being here. How surprised do you think your teammates, friends and family will be to realise what you went through? Yeah, I think they'll be shocked. This is why I felt like I had to say it, because it's the people that you least expect it from. Even if someone's got everything going on in their life, doesn't mean they're not going through a tough time. But you have to talk. If I can get myself out and save myself, then anybody can.
3: So moving stuff there from Jilly, obviously great to hear that um, sort of 10 years on from, from that harrowing tough time in her life, that, uh, that things are, are certainly looking up for her. But the obviously the coach calling her fat uh, something that obviously affected her. And then problems that you just, just basically, she admitted it there, just wasn't able to cope. And her mum and dad coming in, seeing her like that in the hospital. Um, hospital, uh, You know, just really struggling and wishing she'd reached out to someone. First of all, James, I'll throw to you. I mean, how brave is that from Jilly? She's obviously got an elevated platform. She's a leader on the pitch, really vocal, and is is a popular figure amongst the uh, in the dressing room at West Ham. But. As we're always, or I certainly, you know, we, we like to try and remind people listening that although we care about West Ham, we want them to win every week and we're, we're passionate about what's going on at the club at whatever level, on the pitch or or in the boardroom. It is just football and the, the important thing in life is the people around you. Um, and, you know, w- what a brave thing for Julie to do there, Jonesy. and something that sort of transcends football, doesn't it?
2: No, it's incredibly brave and, you know... I think, as, as you mentioned before, we've spoken about this on on the show uh, previously. About <coughs> sorry, about how important it is to you know just take a step back and uh, and just think. Uh, if if you speak to someone, uh, it's, it makes things a lot easier. And you know, she's managed to, to to overcome a lot of the issues that she had in the past, and and just full credit to her. And you know, to to come out and actually tell her story and and hopefully um that gives other people the the inspiration and the ability to to be able to talk to people and 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 overcome their battles and their problems that they're fighting with because people need to need to know that you know they're never alone and you know whatever's going on in their head you know if you can speak to someone it goes a long way in, in helping and um, you know, she's earned a lot of respect from from everyone, not just at the football club, but fans and, and neutrals and, and everyone. And she, as you said, she's got that platform and she's used it in the right way. And um, I think if she can help at least one person overcome their, their battles and, and, and their issues, then, you know, it, it's a job well done, really. And um, yeah, full credit to her, so much respect.
3: Uh, it can you're right and it can be a bit of a cliche kind of that statement there james oh, if she's helped just one person
2: it can be ultimately, but it's true though isn't
3: it no, no you're yeah. right that's what i was going to say ultimately in the, in this day and age we're, we're lucky to live in an age now where mental health and things like that are spoken about so much more freely and ultimately now there will be lots of people listening to this who've heard that message time and time again and it's brilliant that that it is repeated so often, and the fact that some people might be getting bored of it because you know they don 't feel like they need to or they might have done in the past and got over it um, that that message certainly Julie coming out saying like that now, might reach someone who hasn 't quite felt strong enough to be able to go and do that or to reach out to someone, either a, a family member or a professional um, you know both things are. Massively important. But yeah, an important message um, to give out from, from Judy's point of view, Tom. And I think that especially if someone with mm. with her her profile as well, you know, the scenes there of, of the rest of the squad watching the footage, they are obviously moved by it. Uh, someone they all look up to on and off the pitch, no doubt. But with something like that, it's, uh, it's important um, and it, it's a great thing that she's done, isn't it?
4: Absolutely, mate. And I think with uh, lockdown, mental health really came to the fore for a lot of people and having something like that, an inspirational figure, one of the really successful, most successful women in uh, in the WSL. She's won everything in, and the real leader probably in the division as, as a personality and as a person. And it's just amazing that she's, she's had the courage to come out and let people in and see her story and, and help a few people out by by bearing her bearing her heart to everyone in and, and she's it's really impressive and nothing but respect and I think the football community reacted with nothing but respect and I hope it's done her the world of good that being out and seeing the reaction to that and seeing how much people are behind her and also for the people watching who who are in a similar position but don't feel like but feel like they're on their own because there's people out there like you said earlier rich famous poor whatever there's a lot of people struggling and uh seeing someone like that who, who's widely respected come out and, and show their problems and show that it's it's something which affects us all is, is massively important and and good on her because it, it's a really inspirational thing she's done. And uh, I, I, I really recommend everyone going out and watching it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just a couple of things to note there. If there is anyone uh, you know struggling listening to this, do drop us a line at wearewesthampod at gmail.com, um, me and the lads. Always pick those up, and uh, always happy to have a chat or uh, lead you in the right direction if that's something you want to do. Just thanks to um, West End, that audio made available from the we are, the West End Women Twitter and BBC Three. Uh, just is where that that audio you just heard from Jilly. So thanks to those for listening to that. What a show, lads! Um, absolutely brilliant, packed one already. Lovely doing it when West Ham have won a game, isn't it? Um, remember, just a little bit of, of housekeeping before we go. That fancy football league available for you to join if you want to do that. The code is on our Twitter page at We Are Underscore West Ham. If you don't already follow us on there, go and do that now. The code is all lowercase cny6. The letter O U. Uh, hundreds of people signed up already, so do. Come and join, uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, like I just said, uh, we are underscore West Ham. Follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, what we do like, we say every week, uh, is if you can give us a review, five stars and a written review is lovely on all of the platforms on which you currently listen or watch We Are West Ham, like, rate, subscribe, whatever it is. Uh, We appreciate all of those. And of course, go over and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll have seen me in my Larry shirt this evening from Portugal. James in his DT38, Dylan Tombidi's merch, and Tom Edwards rocking that street man chain like nobody else can. So the podcast, the YouTube description is in the link, is in the YouTube link even, is in the description to this podcast so do go down there and follow it big week big few days coming up for West Ham Everton away in the Carabao Cup and Leicester away in the Premier League on Sunday let's hope for another repeat of the 4-0 against Wolves we can't guarantee it but one thing we know where West Ham are concerned there will be goals and there will be drama keep the faith everyone up the hammers and we'll see you next week